You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's come to the Lord again. Lord, as we begin to look into this passage and really think on and consider what is before us, we want to remember, and it is good to remember Romans 10 also, that in you, the end of the law, right is Christ. You are the end of the law. You are our righteousness. These things that we've just read do not bring us into righteous standing. That's what Christ does. That's the imputed righteousness of the gospel given to us by your grace. And what we're reading is fruits. So, Lord, help us to understand this well, that we're free now to follow. We're, we're no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. May we be glad slaves. And so we pray, Lord, by your Spirit, would you just help us with understanding and application of what is before us in this particular place in the midst of your 66 books of the Bible right here in these verses. And on this day, this August 20th, Lord, whatever's going on in our week, our past week, or what's to come, that this particular section you would speak to us through your word. And so we pray this, and that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Looking through this particular passage and thinking about it led me to think about the freeze-dried meal. I don't know if you've had a lot of freeze-dried stuff. I think in school we had uh, the astronaut ice cream, you know, the freeze-dried, their little cubes taste like ice cream. It's this popular meal if you're a hiker or you're into like camping, maybe you've camped this summer and you've had these, these freeze-dried meals. Basically, it's all dehydrated food in a pouch. And I think most of them are add some boiling water and you've got lasagna and beef stroganoff and one place I saw I think you've got chocolate cheesecake there's just a whole menu of things what does freeze dried meals have to do with Romans 12 14 through 21 I would suggest this we're in the midst of a long list that Paul is giving us in scripture here there's list after list thing after thing and it can feel kind of overwhelming how do we keep track of all these things, just rapid fire coming after us. And each phrase, each line could almost be a, a separate sermon, and we could stay here till past Christmas and just look at each of these in line. But to the original reader, I think they could go back and study the letter, but they would have just heard it read to them, just a reading through, just like we just did, of this letter. And so in one way, it's almost as if, if you take the illustration of this freeze-dried meal... Paul's put together a condensed list. This is freeze-dried ways of living. I've got the ESV title, Marks of a True Christian. 
add some water. Well, what's the water? The Spirit working through our mind, our renewed mind, to meditate on these things and out blossoms this fruit because we've taken time to think on these. You may not. I don't think you, you know, to look at all these and go, I got to get, man, there's, I don't, I've never, I haven't counted them, 20, 30 things. It's, I think it's 20, close to 23 different items. I got, how do I, how do I hold, do what, I've got a little note here in my Bible, obey what God reveals to you, what he brings to light and what you see here, a particular phrase. So be listening for that. But take them as well outside of this. And so this morning, we're going to add some water here. We're going to meditate. I'm, we're going to meditate briefly. Just consider each of these as we go along. And then consider taking one or two of them yourself, picking them up, adding your own water. What would God have you do as we lit, kind of work through this list? One way to frame this list, last week we framed it under the first line, let love be genuine. So kind of tentatively, not... You can't firmly say this is all of where... But thinking of genuine love as kind of an overarching principle. I think in 14 through 21, I'm going to go with the last phrase that kind of is an overarching principle, this idea of overcome evil with good. And in some ways, it just kind of ties into a lot of these. And so I'm going to break up this section into really just six points here, and they're all going to start with overcome. And then we'll talk about overcoming as we close here. But we just want to look at these as we go about overcoming. The first comes in verse 14. So number one, overcome persecution by blessing. Overcome persecution with or by blessing. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. The word for persecute here, interesting, it's virtually the same word in verse 13, seek to show hospitality. The word seek there, you've got ESV. So seek to show hospitality or pursue or run after showing hospitality. Do this. Verse 14, there are those who are seeking you. They're pursuing, they're running after you, so bless them. And maybe it's one thing like we talked about last week to invite a stranger to be hospitable into your home or to show this hospitality. It's quite another now, verse 14, to actually bless the one who's coming after persecuting you. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, addresses this in a similar way, and maybe these are tied together. And I want you to go here. We're going to go to two places today. One is in Matthew 5, verse 43 and following. So Matthew 5, 43. Now that we've read Romans 12 in this section, you're going to see similar ideas, themes here of what's going on. So Matthew 5, I'm going to read verses 43 through 48. Jesus is countering. He's countering what the people had heard. You've, you've heard it said, and now Jesus is going to counter. He's going to say, here's God's true commands. Here's the intent. Here's what's going on. Now there's more here. There's even above this, but look at verse 43 and following. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's one idea. How do I bless those who pray? Verse 45, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So why here? Why such kindness and blessing, in our terms, blessing for an enemy or one who is persecuting you? Why? Aren't we supposed to hate what's evil? That's last week, verse 9. Yes, abhor what is evil. But then notice here, verse 45, how Jesus explains this. Where God, even for the evil one, he makes his son to rise. And he sends rain, what? Both, not just because you're just, he sends it on the unjust as well. It's called grace. It's called mercy. God is just. We're going to see that in verse 19. He is just to rightly deal with evil. And he will deal with it. And he is also merciful and he is kind, even to the evil one. If you kept your finger back in Romans 12, in these verses, 14 through 21, mercy, I think the word mercy is never even mentioned here per se, but I think it's all over the place. Our actions towards this one persecuting us are to look like our Heavenly Father who is merciful. We're to image that to others. He is the example in that. But the call here in verse 14, it seems to be beyond, you see this here, it's beyond just tolerating those persecuting, isn't it? There's the idea of blessing them. This isn't just, I'll just wait, I'll bide my time, while let this pass. This is actually blessing those in the act of pursuing you by persecution. Doug Moo writes this, he says, To bless one's persecutors, therefore, is to call on God to bestow His favor upon them. That's wild. He goes on. Its opposite is, of course, cursing, asking God to bring disaster or spiritual ruin on a person. So the Good News translation here says, says it this way. I found this in a commentary. It says, Ask God to bless those who persecute you. Yes, ask Him to bless, not to curse. And this must be, this is a God-infused, godly-minded blessing towards those whom our natural self, in our flesh, that is the least thing we want to do. We want to retaliate. We want to get back. Our self doesn't want to bless. And so Paul's calling for a radical mindset. You might call it a Romans 12.2, transformed by the renewal of your mind mindset or a living sacrifice type mindset. And so as God gives the strength for us to do this by His Spirit, we understand His mercy to us. We're going to be on that theme as well. We understand that, and so we're to show mercy here. Bless those coming after us personally. So overcome persecution by blessing. That's number one. Number two, verse 15, overcome self-focus by thinking of others. So number two, overcome self-focus by thinking of others. Look at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. One place I looked at when you translate this and look this up, it says this describes members of a class. Kind of like, a, I picture it like a category of people. So that is with the rejoicing ones. You know that group? They're rejoicing. 
rejoice with them. And then there's this class, there's this other group, they're weeping. What are you to do with them? Weep with them. And I think Paul's words here, they're instructive for any of us who would counsel, give care for children, disciple one another, give counsel to one another. It's helpful here. Get a sense, understand, and know the category you're working in with the person you're with, which means loving them. Proverbs says this, a familiar one, 25 verse uh, 20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. And living here, you know what that would be like. It's like vinegar on soda. I don't know that so much, but I know a garment on a cold day, that's like singing songs to a heavy heart. Take time to weep with those weeping, rejoice with those rejoicing. Don't sing to a heavy heart, at least initially. They might need a song in time. Understand who it is. And all this really, really what this involves, it takes an attitude of otherness. I'm not so concerned with with me, but it's this genuine, you could go back to verse 9, it's this genuine love that really listens and cares for, and we have so far to learn in this, cares for someone else. Rejoicing. Something good happened. It's not... Boy, I wish that happened to me sometime. Or just—it's just the other folk. It's self-focused. This is other. Oh, that's great. That's as if that's wonderful. Celebrating, weeping. Genuine love serves the Lord by thinking of others in their joys and sorrows above our own. So, number two, overcome self-focus by thinking of others. We're just kind of going through the list. Verse sixteen, number three. Verse 16, number three, overcome pride by associating with the lowly. Overcome pride by associating with the lowly. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. To live in harmony, the idea here, it's literally think the same to one another. The NASB says this. If you got that version It says, be of the same mind. Live in harmony, be of the same mind. What mind? The mind of the person? The mind? My mind? Maybe that's how we want it. Think like me. It's, what is it? It's Philippians 2, verse 5. I think Paul helps us. He urges the Philippians, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Same minds must have minds united in Christ. That's we sang about that's the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. He brings our thinking together to build on that in this harmonious way. And then Paul, he elaborates on this, this thinking a bit more in what follows here to where he says, don't be haughty. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. King James says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. I like that. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Haughtiness or pride or self-exaltation, number one, it's just ungodliness. It's being ungodly. God, Proverbs 8 says, God hates pride and arrogance. So number one, pride is ungodly. Number two, pride is a killer to caring. Pride kills care for the lonely one way, when you're concerned what others may think, here's a lowly, someone in a lowly position, 
I hope somebody doesn't see me, that I'm actually caring for this one in a humble or low estate. What will they think? That's just pride. Or another way, pride kills care. It's when you are yourself, you're too exalted in, in self to deal with the lowly and humble. Not me. I used to be there. I'm not anymore. That's not me. Don't even want to be associated. There's pride there. Pride's a killer to caring. Number three, pride makes us think we're wise in our own eyes. The last phrase. Whether or not it's super connected in these, again, the challenge here of going through this, how are these connected? And I don't think there's any real you know, clear-cut way, kind of these rapid-fire, and yet within them, don't be wise in your own sight. And so pride makes us think we're wise in our own eyes instead of leaning on and living by what God says in His, in His Word. So how do you live in harmony with others? How do you care for the lowly? How do you fight being wise in your own eyes? You kill pride. Be killing sin or it be killing you. Kill pride and embrace humility. You live out 1 Peter 5. Verse 5 says, Clothe yourselves, all of you. We were just talking about garments in the cold. Put this garment on, Peter says. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with what? You know this verse. With humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud. That's how bad pride is. God opposes it. And He gives grace to the humble. We are to be ambassadors like God, so do that. So overcome pride, number three, by associating with the lowly. As we're working through, we come to verse 17, and I'm going to lump it in with verses 19 and 20. We'll come back to verse 18 here, but we're going to lump these together. I think they continue this theme brought out in verse 14, kind of enemy, persecutors. And so number four, overcome evil with mercy. We've got overcome evil with good, I couldn't put there twice, so I think, I think we'll put in mercy there. Overcome evil with mercy. Look at verse 17. We'll look at that one first. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Proverbs 20, verse 22 says that this way. It says, do not say, I will repay evil. That's what the Proverbs says. Don't say, I will repay evil. And it helps us kind of lay this out. What then? It says, wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. And Jesus here, he says something again, two places, says something similar in Luke 6. We've been to Matthew 5. I'd love for you to head to Luke chapter 6. This has become just a wonderful place. Really, Luke 6, in this particular section just such a check on our own hearts in dealing with others, dealing with enemies, dealing with hard things going on, hard things people are bringing your way. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, we're going to start in. Uh, we looked at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, maybe you've known this. This is called, this section of Luke is called Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. I hadn't remembered that, or maybe I've heard it maybe sometime, but Kind of new to me, but I like this because verse uh, 17 says he stood on a level place. So there's one Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew 5. Here with the Sermon on the Plain, they're thinking level place. And, so you, and you see similar themes, I think, through, through these two. Let's read it here. I'm going to read you all of verse 27 through 36 and just let this, just kind of just, there's Paul, 
There's Matthew 5 and there's Luke 6. Just showering into our lives. This is what we need to hear. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do or do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you uh, lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High for... He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And here's the command. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. There is to be something radically different about followers of Christ who respond to personal attack, to persecution, and evil that has come upon them. Would you head back to Romans 12? I want to address a couple things here. First, number, number one, what this doesn't mean. Repay no one for evil. What does this not mean? I don't think the command here is absolute in this sense. There is a place for evil to be punished. There's a place. Number one, God's just. We're going to see, again, verse 19, just a little bit. God's going to deal with it. He is just. And number two, God has set up rulers, and yes, governments, faulty as they may be, He has set them up to, we're going to see in chapter 13, verse 4, to carry out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. They are God's agent. And there's some issues when they're not working as God's agent in the way that they're punishing wrongdoers in their eyes. But the goal is there's, God has set up governments and rulers, part of His grace, to deal with, with evil, and to carry out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. It's what government is supposed to do. I was helped this week just reading Martin Lloyd-Jones. If you know him, he's, I don't know if he died in like the really early 80s preacher in England called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, but um, he's got a whole commentary in the Sermon on the Mount. He writes about Jesus' similar words back in the Sermon on the Mount, and he explains there, he says, you know, what all this doesn't mean is that a, a drunk man should not be restrained. It's not saying just let it go or, or nor one ill-treating or abusing a child. You know, just, just be at peace. That's evil, but let it go. It's okay. Kind of this, kind of to be pacifist, really just peace above all, you know, open up the prisons. The, they re, you know, they really shouldn't be there. Just let them go. It'll be better. They'll get better. He said, no, no, that's not it. He's he says what it means is this, and this is helpful for us. And again, grabbing all counsel of Scripture, he says we should not, what this means is we should not be concerned about, now bring it home to us, personal injuries and insults, whether of a physical kind or any other. 
to be struck on the face is humiliating and insulting. But an insult can be given in many ways. It can be done with a tongue or by a look. Jones continues here, Our Lord desires to produce in us a spirit that does not take offense easily at such things, that does not seek immediate means of retaliation. He wants us to reach a state in which we are indifferent to self and self-esteem. I think that's the driving part is self here. My needs, my kingdom has been disrupted by this. I will fight back. He continues, What our Lord says is that I am not to be concerned about myself, my own personal honor, and so on. And then sort of summarizing Jesus' teaching here, he says, the teaching has reference to my concern about myself. I have been insulted. I have been struck. Therefore, I must defend myself and my honor. That, Jones says, is the spirit our Lord is anxious to banish from our lives. I think Martin Lloyd-Jones here helps us see the focus, where it's at. It's on the individual And evil has been done to you personally. And it's hard. And being a living sacrifice with a transformed mind means that when the self is attacked, it does not pay back. Look at that then in verses 19 through 20 where Paul says, Beloved. In some ways, I mean, grab hold of that. Remember, you're loved yourself. We'll get to that. Beloved. Verse 19, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Two things present themselves, I think, in these verses that we just read. Number one, it's not ours to avenge. The Marvel movie, you may like it, you may not like the movie Avengers, but verse 19 is a call to not be an Avenger personally, in our sense. Do not avenge. And this really, number one, it involves faith. It's trusting that the righteous judge, the Lord, He will do the right thing. He will bring His wrath in His timing, fully. And it ought to remind us also of God's grace on us and His mercy. Were we not the object of God's wrath ourselves? Romans 5, does it not tell us we too are enemies of God? And what did He do? He demonstrated His love for us by dying on a cross. That's how God treated His enemies. That's a high call. And so the call is for us. And so this theme kind of keeps, I think we just will circle around, be merciful for your Heavenly Father is merciful. So that's leave it to the wrath of God. Trust Him. Realize, beloved, the grace you've been given. Number two, on the contrary, the call here is to feed your hungry enemy. Give him a drink. If your persecutor is thirsty, give him or her a drink. And by doing this, it says you'll place burning coals on his head. Nobody's... I think certain. John MacArthur sounds pretty certain, so we'll go with that, but others aren't so certain of what this means, this burning coals on the head. John MacArthur says this, it refers to an ancient Egyptian custom in which a person who wanted to show public contrition carried a pan of burning coals on his head. There's an image for you kids drawing through the sermon. 
the coals represented the burning pain of his shame and guilt. There's this shame, overwhelming shame and guilt on the head of one to whom has been fed or given a drink. It's something here along the lines of this sense of shame brought about by this enemy. He's been persecuting, pursuing, giving out evil. And what does he get in return? Some bread or a cup of water. It's just, it's overwhelming. It's, it's Proverbs, I can't remember, you'll know the proverb, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That, I think these ideas come. Someone harasses somebody else. You know, you're just as harassing. And instead of you, you know, like, oh, giving a fist. Again, it's, it's bread, it's drink, it's care, it's help, whatever. And in that moment, this grace kind of overwhelms, maybe, the enemy. And there is shame and guilt. Oh my, how could I have been so ruthless here? Now, it might that might happen to the enemy. You might give a gentle answer, and it, <laughs> it may turn away wrath, but not a guarantee. I like what Doug Moose says. He says, Paul is not claiming that acts of kindness towards enemies will infallibly bring repentance. You know, like, I'm just going to, here's your bread. You better repent. You know, you better turn. He says, no, not a guarantee. He says, whatever uh, degree of shame our acts might produce, they may quickly, they may be, quickly pushed aside and produce even greater hostility toward both us and the Lord. Stephen, could say, still died. Father, forgive them. Stephen still died a martyr. But whether or not there is shame, it's the principle. It's the attitude. It's, it's your heart. It's, it's you. Let's, we're going to get to this verse 18 here. How are you doing? What are you doing in that moment? So overcome, number... Um, this one here, what number are we on? I forgot. Number four, overcome evil with mercy. All right, number five, there's so many. Verse 18, let's come back to that. This kind of brings it into us as well. Number five, kind of, again, similar theme, verse 18. Number five, overcome conflict with peace here. Overcome conflict with peace. It's as if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If you were at Devoted last, last year, last season, we looked at this in dealing with conflict. Such a such an important little phrase, so far as it depends on you. Take note of that, if possible, so far as it depends on you. That's the heart of it. It's your heart. You can't control other men, other women, and what they do. What's inside? Often, maybe at home, we'll talk about the circle, what's inside, what's yours to deal with. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with others. Live peaceably with all men. So don't be known for the conflicts you can stir up. Boy, wherever they go, they're just conflict seems to fall. Be known as a man. Be known as a woman of peace. Which is really no, for men, I don't think it's really a wimpy man. The natural man with no self-control just blurts out. It, that's, that's what our flesh is prone. Blurts out frustration at the world. You, I just got to vent about this. I just got to let this, I think the real man has self-control in the Lord, brought about by God. So this living sacrifice, men or women, they're different. Living sacrifices live for the one from whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. Back to 11, verse 36 again. For God's glory 
to act in these ways. So as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Overcome conflict with peace. And then lastly, one last verse in our theme loosely. So number six, overcome evil with good. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a call for those in the city of Rome receiving this letter. It's a call for us as a church in the year 2023. The Greek word here for overcome, I don't want to get too bogged down, but certain words are helpful. This word is really interesting. It's interesting because you already have studied and you already know what's going on here. If you remember back to Romans 8, Paul there, that ending of Romans chapter 8, he's talking, he's He's saying, you know, can tribulation or persecution, dangerous sword, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Implied, you know, nothing. And then in verse 37, you remember this? He says, no, in all things, you know, tribulate, whatever, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. You remember that word we brought up there was, was Nike. We think of the swoosh and the Nike shoe and really a Greek word, Nico or Nike, you could say, which means victory. We're, we're more than victors even in tribulation, all these things through him who loved us. Well, in verse 21, the word overcome comes from the same word Nike or Nike as we know it. So in other words here, you could say, don't be Nike'd by evil. Don't let evil have the victory. Don't don't let evil be the victory. Instead, Nike or overcome or have the victory over evil with good. A couple of short thoughts. How does one do this, overcome evil with good? Number one, we cannot do this rightly without a conquered heart ourselves. We can't conquer evil without God's conquering our own heart first. You must be born again. And that is by God's Spirit. And hence have this ability to live in such a living, sacrificial way. This comes by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. You must know the mercies of God to show mercy. That's a question for you. Do you know the gospel? You're struggling with these things today and, and with enemies and persecutors and how I'm going to act. And I'm, I'm usually just, bruh, remember the gospel or put your faith and trust in Christ. Come to him. Be a new creation. We can't do it without the Lord. And then number two, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We're back to Romans 12, 1 through 2. It's how he begins this chapter. We must know God and know his perfect will. What's his perfect will? What's good? What is good? It's knowing God. What's acceptable and perfect? Knowing God and then being transformed by his word through his spirit, dwelling within, and it's going to bear fruit. Fruit like what we're seeing in 9 through 21 here. Not being conformed to the way the world does it, but in line with our Lord. And then number three, just to add in here, seek the whole counsel of God this, in this idea of overcoming evil with good. So these, like other scriptures, other portions can be taken out of context. Maybe, again, used in this extreme way to say, we don't have to deal with evil ever. Just, just be peaceful. And if you just, things will just work out. And don't put the murderer in jail and all these sorts of things. No, take the whole counsel. I think that's what, how Jones is so helpful in the Sermon on the Mount. Take the whole counsel. Of scripture. So these verses, they don't cancel out justice for evil or punishment for the wrongdoer. Again, verse 18, as far as it depends on you, 
overcome evil with good. All right, as we close, I want you to do this. If you can, pull out a pencil or a pen. Maybe you're taking notes already or steal your kid's crayon. I have extras here. We're just going to, I'm going to ask you some questions as we end. And I do want you to think on these by way of application. Does anyone in your life today, your life, fit these descriptions? The persecutor, the enemy, so forth. Consider writing their name down and then consider how God would have you respond to them. I'm going to go through a couple questions here, about six of them. You just, if you put a name down, put it down. And then perhaps it's an area to just give to the Lord in prayer. Number one, who's persecuting or cursing you today in your life? Some of these you may not have an answer for. Some you may, I know someone. Who's a persecutor? Who's just been maybe cursing you? Who in your life is rejoicing? Anyone rejoicing that that you really need to be rejoicing with them? Anyone weeping in your life that you know of? Who's, Who's weeping? Who is lowly? Another one. Who is lowly that you may need to associate with? Anyone lowly you know God's brought into your life? You've been kind of standoff. How easy that is. You need to enter their life. I don't care what people think. This one, God's put them in my life here. Or, a little more, who do you want to avenge? Who do you want to pay back evil for evil? Man, they, this week I had that phone call where this person said this. They've said it five times already. If they could, ju- you know... Maybe rain, rain elsewhere, Lord, but not there on them. It's, it's anti what God would have. Who, maybe somebody fits that. And then lastly, who might you consider an enemy in your life and they just they need a loaf of bread or a drink or fill in the blank? Who might you consider an enemy? I had to laugh as I was considering these questions because you might get a loaf of bread today. A real loaf, just kind of thank the Lord for that and maybe pursue that. But it may not mean you're an enemy today. Maybe somebody just brought you a loaf of bread. But take the idea there. Someone reminded me as we close this morning of this short, familiar verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. It may feel like what we've covered today might feel like Paul, like the Lord, he's asking for something impossible. How can I? deal with this person for what they've done. How can I do that? I just encourage you, seek the Lord. Understand His mercy towards you, the enemy. Understand that. Maybe that's where you're at. I can't, I can't forgive. I can't give any loaf of bread. Understand God's mercy towards you, the sinner. And then in the strength that He supplies, go show it to others. Let's pray. Father, as we look through this list, I've thought these are, these are not terribly difficult, again, to understand. We don't need to know Greek to understand what you're telling us here. These aren't great mysteries. They're just really hard for us to do. And yet, Lord, let us remember you have begun 
a work in us. And you're going to be faithful to complete it. Lord, give us grace and mercy towards those that would speak against us, towards those that would do evil, those that would persecute, those that it would seem like they're getting away with it. May we trust you. Trust your justice in your timing regarding your wrath. Guide us, Lord, as far as it depends on us to live peaceably with all men and so glorify your name as radically new living sacrifices who are bought, purchased, and live under the Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ, we pray. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.